Grace, mercy, and peace be on you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us is the epistle lesson read previously. Thus far the text, dear friends in Christ, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that I am the first person this morning that is wishing you a happy and blessed Gaudete Sunday. That is the name of today. Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete comes and is a Latin word that is translated joy or rejoicing. And traditionally, it is on this third Sunday in Advent when we light the pink or rose-colored candle on the Advent wreath and rejoice. The time for celebrating Christ's birth is approaching, and it's time to rejoice. And so Paul, in our epistle lesson for today, writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say it, rejoice. What an appropriate text for Gaudete Sunday. But Paul, rejoice always? Certainly there are times in life when we feel like rejoicing. For example, when we ace a test at school, or get a promotion perhaps at work, or certainly at the birth of a child, at those times and many other times, we feel like rejoicing. But Paul rejoice always? Doesn't Paul know that there are some times in life that we just don't feel like rejoicing? For example, Christmas is less than two weeks away. In fact, Christmas Day is two weeks from yesterday. And perhaps you still have a lot to do and are concerned feeling the pressure of getting all those things done with less and less time remaining. Or perhaps your concerns this morning have nothing to do with the pressure of the Christmas season. Perhaps those concerns are about your employment or your finances, or health, your health, or the health of a loved one, or perhaps your concerns are about a particular relationship you have. Doesn't Paul realize that there are times in life when we just don't feel very much like rejoicing, Gaudete Sunday, or not? Well, if you're going to tie your readiness to rejoice exclusively to the outward circumstances in your life. In other words, if you're only going to be ready to rejoice when everything in life is going great and you don't have a care or concern in the world, you are probably not going to be doing much rejoicing. (laughs) Perhaps none at all. Notice how Paul, in our epistle lesson, does not tie whatsoever rejoicing to earthly circumstances. In fact, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was in prison, obviously not tying his rejoicing to his circumstances in life. And notice that Paul does not merely say rejoice, but rejoice in the Lord. This rejoicing really has nothing to do with what is or is not happening in your life. Instead, the rejoicing in the Lord that Paul is talking about comes as a result of everything 
that God has done for you and given to you, especially in and through Jesus Christ. Because it is in the Lord that your sins have been removed from you as far as the east is from the west, writes the psalmist. It is in the Lord that your relationship with God has been made right again. And you no longer need to fear standing before him on the last day. And it is in the Lord that indeed God has given you life, abundant life, and eternal life. All of this and much more is yours in the Lord. And no one can take it from you. So no matter what your circumstances and outward situation in life is, you can rejoice always in the Lord. And we can rejoice in the Lord also because, as Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Again, how appropriate for this Gaudete Sunday as we prepare to celebrate the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Savior who is at hand, so to speak. And of course, he came not just to live amongst us here, but rather to live the perfect, sinless, righteous, blameless life that none of us can live, and then to turn around and offer that same sinless life as payment in full, not only for our sins, but for all sin and all evil. And we rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is at hand in yet another way. His second coming is at hand. A day that has already been scheduled and made firm it is known only to the Father. A day in which Christ will return, not in meekness and humility as he came this first time, being born a baby in Bethlehem, but no, this time in all power and majesty and glory. And this time he will come not to save, but rather to judge. And we can rejoice in the Lord always, because on that day when he comes, he will raise our bodies and the bodies of all believers, making them like his glorious body, making our bodies new, no longer bearing the impact and the effect of sin on his creation. Paul refers to those bodies in 1 Corinthians 15 as being immortal bodies, no longer able to die because death will be a thing of the past. We will rejoice on that day when we hear the words from our Savior, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And with him and with one another, we will be rejoicing in the Lord always and forever. And we can rejoice in the Lord because he is at hand in yet another way. He is at hand to hear our prayers and answer our prayers on a daily basis. No matter where we are, no matter what time it is. Paul again writes in our epistle lesson, Be anxious in nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known 
to God. Well, there you go again, Paul. Be anxious in nothing. Doesn't Paul realize here that there are plenty of things in life that make us anxious, maybe even terrified at times? Is Paul being realistic here? Doesn't he realize that? If he could walk a mile in our shoes, we might say, he'd be singing a different tune. Well, I can assure you that Paul was in situations that would make anyone anxious, maybe even terrified. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he has a list, a catalog, you might say, of some of the situations and circumstances that he was in in life simply because he was an apostle proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11, he, he recounts that five times he received from the Jews the 39 lashes, that three times he was beaten with rods, that once he was stoned and left for dead, that three times he was shipwrecked and was adrift at sea for a night and a day. Paul knew what it was like to be in situations that would cause anxiety. And yet, he says we can rejoice in the Lord always because instead of being anxious, which changes nothing, we can, as he says, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. It is significant that Paul adds that phrase, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Whatever our circumstances, whatever our situation, whatever might be causing us anxiety, if we begin our prayer with thanksgiving for at least some of the blessings that God has granted to us in the past, we can't help but be reminded that it is this same gracious and compassionate God who has helped us in so many ways in the past that we are going to with prayer right now. And we can't help but be reminded that this same God is certainly not going to abandon us. Peter has the exact, exact same counsel in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, when he says, Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Others have said that that with thanksgiving is actually a thanksgiving in advance for the answer to your prayer that God is going to give to you. In other words, it's a bold confession of faith and trust and confidence that God is hearing that prayer and is going to answer that prayer, and so you're thanking him in advance for that answer. And speaking of answers to prayer, perhaps this is a good time to review how God does answer prayer. Basically, he answers prayer in the way that is best for us, his children, or for those for whom we are praying, especially when it comes to our eternal salvation. As such, God answers prayer in three basic ways. He answers it with a yes, if what we are asking is best for us now or for those we are praying for. He answers it with a wait, if what we are asking for is not good for us or others now, but will be later. And of course, he answers it with a no, if what we are asking for now 
is not good for us or others now and never will be. Sometimes you will hear people say, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and I guess God didn't answer my prayer. Well, that's not accurate. He answers every prayer put before him by his children. It just may not be the answer you want at the time you want it. Finally, today we can give praise to God. We can rejoice in the Lord always because of all that we have been talking about and what it results in. In this Gaudete Sunday, we can rejoice, as Paul says, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. These words could literally be translated, the peace of God that passes all understanding will stand as a guard, will stand as a sentinel at the door to your heart. And just like the rejoicing, this peace is not connected to outward circumstances and situations in our life. In fact, sometimes in spite of all the situations and circumstances we have in our life, we have yet that peace inside of us, that calm sense of confidence, that spiritual tranquility and peace. It's the peace that Jesus described on Monday, Thursday to his disciples before he was going to be betrayed and arrested. When he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what we have been describing here today is the Christian life. And I hope it is a description of your life at this point in time as you sit here today. And so, once again, I wish you a happy and blessed Gaudete Sunday. And I invite you to join me in rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.